Zombies! Hello! And welcome to Uncle Monster at the Movies! Event Horizable. <laughs> uh, the second part of our uh, horror sci-fi double feature. Uh, we're your hosts. My name is Chris Anderson, but if you went to high school with me, you can call me shit. And my name is Ethan Sareski, and welcome to Jamrock. Welcome to Jamrock, everybody, and welcome to Event Horizon. God, what a fantastic film. It was Ethan's pick this week. I'm so Thank excited you. to be uh, have an excuse to rewatch Event Horizon. It gets better every single time I see it. Hey, you know, this is the second part of our sci-fi double feature uh, following Killer Clowns from Outer Space. How do you think it compared? I think it's definitely scarier. Yeah. But I think it's just as much fun. Yep. Uh, I think, uh, you know, they're both good in just very different ways, which is funny because they both are technically sort of horror science fiction movies, but they're still so different from each other. Yeah, you couldn't pick <laughs> two more different horror sci-fi movies, I think, in the same genre to be so completely different. Yeah, I we mean, really they... went to as far across that spectrum as we could. <laughs> so, do you want to start out with some notes, Shibby? What do you think yeah, about that? Yeah, you told me you had some notes. Well, first, before we get to the notes, uh, let me, just give me your big picture out of five stars. How many are you giving Event Horizon? I'm giving it four stars. Okay, four stars. You know what? I'm going the full five. I think you know, I would classic. give it the full five, except I'm grading it as 90s horror, as horror in general, and I think that the benchmark of 90s horror is Candyman, and I don't think it's quite there. So four, and a half, four or four and a half stars, but it's not the top tier, but it's right below it. So what else from the 90s would you put in five stars? I I couldn't tell you... It, you get a list. Pull up a list of um. Okay, of '90s horror movies. Ninety, like big ones. Okay. You know, like ones okay. people I, like. I got a list. Not not shitty ones. All right, so we got Candyman '92. Yeah, that one is, I think, the best. It '1990 TV movie, but I'll allow it. That's a great book, but the TV movie. It's was a little not bit long. Um, little bit. A little, <laughs> little bit. Uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. We love that. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Uh, the Frighteners. I know a lot of people that are, are big Frighteners fans. It's a good movie. It's not a horror movie. Uh, Wishmaster. I like that very much, but it's a three-star affair. Yeah, I think it. What, what the joy of Wishmaster is that it's so perfectly three stars. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it also has every star from every other horror movie ever. Yeah. Uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer. No, boo. Blair Witch. I like Blair Witch. You don't like it. No, yeah, I would I would give it four stars out of respect, but not Me too. five because I like it. Um, I would give it four because I like it and out of respect, but not five. Misery. The House Man. on Haunted Hill. No, don't like that. Urban Legend. Yeah. I like it more than I know what you did last summer. Yes, me too. Uh... Not seeing anything else that's super leaping out of me. Phantasm What a 4. bad era. Yeah, Scream, obviously, we didn't mention yet. Scream is obviously a big one. It's a big one, but is it a really scary, great horror movie? Or is it just a well-known, iconic movie? I, I think it is good. I watched it a couple years ago, and I thought it held up. All right. 
Uh, maybe I need to see I it again. I don't think cause... it's as good as Event Horizon, which I am going to say is the best horror movie of the 90s. And I'm going to say... Over Candyman. Yeah, I like it more than Candyman, personally. Okay, I, find I disagree, it but... Fun evening. I feel like it's really well crafted. It's really tight. Candyman can be a little bit buttoned up for me sometimes. Yeah, it's not. It's not fun. Candy Candyman's not meant to be fun. Yeah, no. Candyman can be a little bit of a downer. And it's a tragic love story. Yeah. So and you know and I'm not going to pretend that I'm any kind of objective judge, but for me, I'm going to say Event Horizon is as good as '90s horror movies gets. I think that's a very strong statement. I think that that's getting people excited to get into this. Yeah, yeah, me too. So you had some notes. Yeah, I, I, I want to mention that Event Horizon is a 1997 science fiction horror film directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. No relation. Written by, no, no relation to Shibble. Spells his name differently. And uh, written by Philip Eisner. Uh, no relation to Michael Eisner or he'd be writing better movies. Yeah, or, uh, yeah, I should hope. Or no relation uh, also to comics great Will Eisner, creator of he? The Spirit. Oh, The, the Spirit. Yes, he's I, the, the uh, Eisner Awards, the highest award in comics, are named after Will oh, Eisner. that's a big deal. Yeah, he's, a, he's considered to be one of the biggest names in comics history. Probably not tell, related to this guy. I would tell Mikey Halperin about that. He's a comics-obsessed like fanatic, and I want to see if he knows who that is. He, I bet he will. Okay, we're going to test it out. Okay, so this movie is set in 2047. Mm, just around the it, corner. Just around the corner. Really? I mean, in the beginning, they're like, in 2015. Yeah. What, what happened in 2015? The, in the first colony on the moon. Yeah, and not like, well, quite. No, but just around the corner, we've got the election of Donald Trump. <laughs> so we've got a different kind of dystopia going on. Yeah, it fits. Uh, so we follow a crew of astronauts sent on a rescue mission after a missing spaceship called the Event Horizon, uh, which spontaneously reappears in orbit around Neptune. Mm -hmm. uh, they search the ship for signs of life, learn that the Event Horizon was a testbed for an experimental engine that created a rift in the space-time continuum mm -hmm. and left our universe entirely, allowing a malevolent force to possess it. Yep. That's uh, the, film, the film had a troubled production, with filming and editing rushed by Paramount when it became clear that Titanic would not meet its deadlines. Yeah, they needed something to fill that gap, and so I, I think I heard that from the day the screenplay was finished to the day it was in theaters, it was like four months. Absolutely right. And uh, because of that, the original 130-minute cut of the film was heavily edited by Paramount, uh, much to the director's consternation. And I heard also that was because uh, test audiences found it to be truly way too horrifying. Apparently, a lot of what was cut was graphic gore that gave it an X rating. Uh, NC-17. Okay. And I also heard that um, until recently that extended cut had been lost but a couple years ago it had ago, been lost the footage was lost and we and we'll get there don't spoil okay because uh Cause you've we got will a find out. order okay well we will find out if that footage is lost found destroyed i mean we will find out after we discuss the movie did you find that rare vhs tape yeah that's the one i <laughs> yeah that's the I've one to searching. find baby yeah that's well really if you're gonna tape. If you're going to find one, it, it that one or the original Tommy and Pam sex tape, uh, yeah. I'm looking for those. Yeah, you'll make some good money that way, baby. 
On release, the film was a commercial and critical failure, mm. grossing $42 million on a $60 million budget. However, its DVD release sold so well that Paramount contacted Anderson to restore the deleted footage, but it had been either lost or destroyed. Mm-hmm. In the years since, the film has built a cult following and is often referenced in other works of popular culture. Yeah, and uh, I think it because it's so different from the other horror Like movies, Billie Eilish's popular song, Event Horizon. Oh, great one. I made that up. I'm yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, since it came out, like it was very different from the other horror movies in the theaters at the time. When you think of... Like, when I think of 90s horror movies, I mostly think of teen slashers. Mm -hmm. I think of Scream and its knockoffs. Yep. Uh, And so, to have something be uh, paranormal and science fiction, you know, a haunted house in space. That's the thing. That's what it is. Yeah. This, to me, was a mix of Solaris, Poltergeist, and something else. I forgot what it was. For me, it was a Aliens? Yeah. For, for me, it was a cross between Alien and Hellraiser. Okay, yeah. I, yeah, I get that. Be- yeah, maybe that's better. I was going Alien, Hellraiser, and what was the other one? Solaris. Sola- uh, yeah, there's a lot of Solaris in it. There's there's a lot of space madness going on here. Yeah. And this is one uh, you of... You know, they're having visions and stuff, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, there are two taglines for the okay. film. Uh, <clears throat> can you give me a tagline number one? Tagline number one. Event Horizon. A haunted ship. A missing crew. An infinite evil. All right, tagline number two. Event Horizon. Infinite space. Infinite terror. Both accurate. You said terror like you were Wishmaster. Yeah, I, terror. <laughs> Tell me your terror. Wish. What is your wish? You released me. He sounds a lot like the Emperor from Star Wars. It's true. They got a similar vibe. Hello, Skywalker. 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 Yeah, that's it. That's it right there. Yeah, you crushed it. Skywalker. You got that one in the pocket. Uh, Yeah, next time we need a a good... Maybe we'll do a... Next story uh, time, right at about the Emperor. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. A day in the life of the emperor. That done. Consider it done. Perfect. Uh, let's get to the cast, Shibble. Okay, cast. We got a great cast in this movie. No two ways about it. And they all did an excellent job, even the ones that you haven't heard of. I mean, these are solid actors and yeah. actresses. Well, actors, I guess you call them all now. Either Is way. Is that right? I'm not 100% sure. I'm not either. I like to say actors because an actor's an actor. I don't think you have need a separate word for actress. I think that's fair. At least right, in this so context. We have Lawrence Fish, the great Larry Lawrence Fishburne as Captain Miller, commanding officer of the Lewis and Clark. And he's so cool in this role. He's always cool. He, I think this is, yeah, his, his cool and collectedness uh, is, he anchors the film really. Like, you buy him so much as the captain that everybody... Of course you're going to listen to him. Of course you're going to be sending out, this is your best rescue crew, and it's going to have your best rescue captain, and of course that's Lawrence Fishburne. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, this seems like the guy you would send out for your hardest mission. 
Yeah, and I think that's the the vibe that the entire crew gets is like they're almost like the coast guard of space. They get sent out when there's a wreck to rescue somebody, but they go. They say it after they uh, get to where the event horizon is, the uh, area of Neptune, and they're like, "This is as far as people go. There's only been one rescue mission that has gone out this far before, and everyone involved died." <laughs> and so, like, these are your sort of badass space marines. Yeah, yeah, these are your special ops when something goes wrong. So we now have Sam Neill, the great Sam Neill, as Dr. William Weir, designer of the Event Horizon. Yes, and not part of the Lewis and Clark's crew, which causes a great deal of friction. Was uh, Sam Neill Damien in the, Omen, in the original Omen? Uh, no. W- was he in the Omen? I, th- no, that was, uh, I thought that was Gregory Peck. He was in possession. I don't know why I had it in my head that he was the kid in the Omen. <laughs> uh, it's so not true. I know it's not true because the kid from the Omen went on Howard Stern. It was not Sam Neill. No, that no, he was okay. Uh, Event Horizon. Was he in the third Omen? Was he in the uh, the final the final uh, conflict? That might yeah. He was in the final conflict where he played adult Damien. That okay. That's, that's where I get how it you got there. All right. That's what we were I'm glad about. to see I wasn't just making shit up. But this is also one of the rare movies where uh, Sam Neill gets to play uh, an Australian and <laughs> uh, actually be his native uh, nationality. <laughs> and one cool thing is uh, the costume designer asked for all the actors' input on their costumes a little bit. And he said he wanted an Australian flag but modified so that it doesn't have the British flag in the corner. It has the Aboriginal flag. I love that you noticed that. And that's like, that's uh, the future of Australia that he was envisioning. It's like, oh, that's dope. Yeah. Hell yeah. I love that. I, I, I that was in such our a cool uh, detail. special facts section. I love that you hit that. That that's that. I, I love that the, the Aboriginal flag represented Australia. That was so progressive. Yeah. And also if you notice all the uh, British characters, uh, oh, yeah, they flag. had a different flag. Yeah, yeah, it was a European Union flag, but it had more stars on it to uh, indicate that the European Union had expanded. Had grown, yeah. yep. But look uh, at have... the European Union now, shambles. Yeah, well, yeah, we shouldn't be talking about them right now. Touche. Kathleen, Kathleen Quinlan as Peters, medical technician of the Lewis and Clark. Mm, yes, the sad mother. Very sad. She reminded me of the ghost in 13 Ghosts of, of the Dead Mother. Yeah, that's fair. It may have been the same actress. Could be. Um, we have Jolie Richardson as Lieutenant Stark, Stark, communications officer of Lewis and Clark. Yeah, and the uh, executive officer, <coughs> second in command. That's true, executive officer and communications officer. Wow, very well done. Thank you. Uh, we have Richard T. Jones as Cooper. The rescue technician of the Lewis and Clark. The funny black guy. Yes, the guy from Police Academy, I believe. Uh, no. I know, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, but uh, what I like about him, now, what I liked about him in this most recent watching, right, is you need to have some sort of comic relief to break the tension. But you can't have it be too funny, because you don't want it to be a horror comedy. He's just and you don't want him enough. to be annoying. You don't yeah. want him to be annoying either and, and trying hard. Yeah, you don't want him stealing a scene. You just want somebody to break the tension every now and then. 
And he does a good job with that. He walks the line of not being too funny surprisingly well. Yeah, I, I, I would say that he was subtle even with it. Yeah, and he, and he was also charming. Like you could tell, He was. You were likable. Yeah, you could tell that it, it was like diegetically he was funny. Like he was supposed to be yeah. the class clown of the, of the show. And he played it well. Yeah. Three left. We have Jack Noseworthy as Justin, chief engineer of the Lewis and Clark. You might remember him from MTV's sci-fi TV show, Dead at 21. I don't, but I'm sure one or two people out there do. I have never heard anyone ever say anything to this show about me in my life. I don't remember very much about it, except he was some sort of cyborg that was going to die when he was 21, and he was tragically beautiful. He had long (laughs) hair and very big lips. We have Jason Jason Isaacs as DJ, medical doctor of the Lewis and Clark. He was great. He did a great job. Really? Yeah, you didn't like DJ? No, I did. I'm just wondering why in particular you were so taken with him. I think, and it might be part of it, is that cut footage that was lost. But it really felt like there was always something more to his character like he was really bringing like a lot of subtext i think to that yeah that you know what that's that's not a bad point at all yeah and last but not least we have sean pertwee as smitty pilot of the lewis and clark smitty also delivered a great performance i loved him yeah i love that when they showed up he was the first one like uh like they didn't know okay we'll get well we'll get to it let's get to the plot of course yes and that was it and that we are ready to discuss the plot of Event Horizon, the 1997 four out of five star Uncle Monster favorite. Five out of five stars. Right. So uh, we got uh, our opening crawl. We find out that in 2040, the Event Horizon has gone missing in the worst spaceship disaster of all time. Which I don't believe that could be possible because it just went missing. I mean, the entire crew is presumed dead. You know, they didn't have supplies to last forever. So. In 50 years, there no, no one ever crashed a spaceship? Not one as big as the Event Horizon. Did you see the size of it as compared to the Lewis and Clark? Yeah, but what if one crashed into a planet? That could, you know, nothing worse happened in 50 years of space travel. Nope, it's been remarkably safe. Okay. I mean, look My at fault. how many Retracted. disasters we've had in space travel in reality. That That's what matter. I'm... <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, I like would expect there like two. Uh, out, yeah, but two out of like not that many. Yeah, I don't know. I Why don't not know. Elon Musk? And also, you know, like I said, this was a big ship. It was a big deal. It was. It, it was. You're right. And this was also a huge government mission, so it was their best tech. You know, it was probably their safest stuff. Good point. Yeah. So we get uh, a nice big opening shot of the Event Horizon. It has reappeared seven years later in the orbit of Neptune. Uh, and the event horizon looks so cool from the outside. Uh, allegedly, the uh, it, it looks like a big gothic castle, and was uh, I believe the uh, design was inspired by Notre Dame. Oh, uh, that's cool. Or I guess Notre Dame. Uh, not oh, the, not, I like that even better. Yeah, not the college. Uh, <laughs> there's a big fighting <laughs> Irish logo on the outside. <laughs> a bunch of drunk guys. Yeah. Some some uh, legacies going on to study law at I don't know Duke I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, my daddy said I don't need SATs. My name's on the library, you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, so, 
uh, Sam Neill wakes uh, from a nightmare about the event horizon. Uh, where And then he touches a photo of his dead wife, Claire, and says, Claire, <laughs> I miss you. Which is just like, there you go. You don't need to overthink your dialogue, folks. A good actor can just sell that. It's fine. Yep. You don't need to have him be like, oh, I miss the sound of your laughter. You can just be like, no, I miss you. I, I miss, miss you. you That's it, wife. yeah. Got the point across. Yeah. So then uh, we meet the crew of the Lewis and Clark. All these great characters that we went through and actors, they're all there. The nice thing is, that's our entire cast. Uh except for a couple of people who are hallucinations or in video. Uh, and the crew has a vibe that's very much of Alien. Uh, this is very much a working class science fiction movie. Uh, you know, this is not a future of Star Trek where everyone has neatly pressed uniforms and you can get anything you need from a replicator and traveling through space is basically like living in the nicest hotel you've ever seen in your life. It's, you know, this is working class space travel. Lawrence Fishburne's wearing a bomber jacket. Yeah. Like, these are these are all just dudes. Uh, and so uh, they need to hop into something that's like, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, like a cryo chamber. It's almost like the healing chamber from Star Wars, where they put you in the water with the mask. Yes. Uh, what they say it does, which I, I never caught this before watching it last time, it just sort of puts you in a coma stasis like a like a medically induced coma but it also yeah. um they called it uh, uh it, i forgot all right i didn't about write the down pressure the pressure in the head it protects you from the g forces the yep, doctor the says like uh, we'll be 40 pounds 40 g's and it would liquefy your bones if you weren't in this chamber 40 g's well yeah a lot of G's, baby. A lot of G, enough to liquefy your skull. Enough to liquefy your skull. One of the hardest bones you've got. Other than your femur. Probably. So uh, they they <laughs> hop in there, and uh, we get to see a bit of the interiors of the Lewis and Clark, and we get to see how sort of there are a bunch of different like textures and grime, and it really feels lived in. They did it, the set design in this movie is just fantastic, even just yeah. on the Lewis and Clark. Your point about uh, Star Trek is well taken because it's not clean like that. It's a used ship. It looks like it's been traveled in. It, it, it's not shiny, you know. I mean, it's it's a dirty used ship yeah. like one would really be. It's the one that's had heavy use. It's You know it smells crazy in there. Oh, it's got to. Yeah, it's, it's more like, almost like a submarine movie. You know what yeah. I mean? In terms of like close quarters, grime, just like rebreathing the same air it looks like the red october yeah uh so weir gets out of his tank they've arrived in the area of the vent horizon uh he's nude except for uh they're all wearing like little skivvies boo yeah they should all be just completely hanging dong but say levy or they should be wearing like bathing suits i don't know why they get in this liquid in underwear you know it would be funny if they were all wearing bathing suits and Sam Neill just had his penis out and they showed it. Yeah. It's like, I don't wear bathing suits. Oh, I do. Oh, I don't wear bathing suits. I don't know his accent. Do yeah. it. We don't have those in Australia. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne would be so upset with that. Yeah. Take mine. 
<laughs> so uh, while he's wandering through the Lewis and Clark, he sees a nude woman standing on the bridge of the ship. Uh oh, it's Claire, his dead wife, and she has no eyes. <laughs> uh, and eyes are which uh, she had during life. By no, the way, she used to have eyes. Yeah, she used to have eyes just like you and me. Uh, two of them, but <laughs> now four of them. If no we're talking eyes. about me and you, yeah, us. Yeah, between the two of us, there's four total. Right. Uh. So it turns out that was a nightmare. Claire's not there. There is a recurring image of uh, eye injury, missing eyes, people ripping out their eyes. Uh. Which, all right, I don't know if I can tie that into. Louis Boonwell's A Chien en Deleu, uh, <laughs> the classic film that he co-directed with Salvador Dali, if I remember correctly, that involved uh, also dragging a razor blade across a woman's eyeball, and they oh, cut to a close-up of a cow's eyeball to get the shot. And just injury to eyes is a way to sort of Injure the audience because, as an audience, it remember, always you're predominantly is. eyes. Yep. Uh, so yeah, whenever you see an eye getting attacked in a movie, that's someone attacking you. Uh, they just did that in that in the one I told you about the Superman uh, back. You know the bad Superman oh, kid uh, story. A dark, dark bright boy. burn. Bright, bright burn. <laughs> they should have called it dark boy. Dark boy is just as good or better. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. There's one scene where he breaks a light, and a big sliver of glass goes in a woman's eye, and she has to pull it out, and they show it. Oof. And it's just a way to get to the audience. Yeah, it it works. So then we cut to a uh, tablet video of a clown with a sick child. It's back on Earth, uh, but it's a disturbing moment. Uh, <laughs> it's being watched by uh, Mama Bear, the medical tech. Whose name I've forgotten. Maybe it's Adam. Peters. Peters. Yeah, it's Peters. She's missing her son's birthday, and her son is sick. Uh, so now the crew sort of all assembles. They're all getting out of cryostasis. And uh, Lawrence Fishburne says, okay, Dr. Weir, why don't you tell us what it's all about? By the way, these are my crews. That's Justin. He's a baby. That's Cooper. He's a cut-up. That's my hot lady friend. That's my mom lady friend. And these <laughs> are two English people that have a lot of feelings. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's what he actually says. That's a word yeah, that, for that word. Was a, that was my best Lawrence Fishburne impression. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. Smart. Now do him from, uh, from King of New York. I don't know any of the... Di- well, hey, everybody. It's me. Guess what? You just got knighted. Because I'm the king of New York, and you're my if dude, a nickel so you're going to bringing crack cocaine to the streets. Do you know how to do a Christopher Walken? Uh, I, I used to think I did. I haven't tried it in a while. Can uh, you say, if a nickel bag is sold in the park, I want in? If a nickel bag is sold in the park, I want in. Very good. Thank you. I liked it. Okay, so that's what, uh, bah, 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 bah. so, yeah, so they're like, Dr. Weir, what are we doing here? We know this is a rescue <laughs> mission. We didn't get any other details. I don't like that you're here because I don't like having people that aren't on my crew here. What's, what's happening? Tell us what's going on. And Dr. Weir's like, you motherfuckers ever hear of the event horizon? <laughs> and, uh, 
instantly, Schmitty, the uh, pilot, is like, Oh, fuck! Event Horizon! Oh, fuck! No! Fuck! No! No! Not the Event Horizon! No! He does not like this. Um, In case it was unclear, he does not like it. No, he hates it. Uh, event, so, uh, Justin Baby Bear, the naive one, is like, Isn't that the ship that blew up when its drive exploded seven years ago? And Dr. Weir is like, no. That ship disappeared when it engaged its gravity core drive. Uh, which freaks everybody out. Because then they get really curious as to what a gravity core drive is. Yeah, obviously. Uh, he says it creates a dimensional gateway. Uh, he cuts up some pornography to demonstrate uh, space-time <laughs> folding. Uh... Because, of course, every film with anything uh, quantum involved, you have to bend a piece of paper and poke a hole through it to show how time and space bend. Yeah, but I think this is one of the first ones that did it. Oh, is it? Okay, well... a lot of them are pulling from this. Well, well, this one gets credit then, because that became such a trope. Yeah, and the reason why it is a trope is that it is a pretty effective explanation for a pretty abstract concept. Yeah, but if you're making a movie, you gotta at some point you gotta think of another way to explain it. I mean, it's enough already. I mean, that's fair. Uh, so Doctor Weir says uh, the shortest point between uh, shortest distance between two points is zero. Good uh, job. He uh, he explains that he built the gravity drive, uh, and now suddenly the event horizon has reappeared. They don't know why. They don't know where it's been. They don't know what's happened to the crew. It just showed up with its distress signal going. So uh, they went out to investigate and find out what's happening. Uh, they did get a very short audio clip that had been transmitted from the event horizon. The audio clip was just a bunch of screaming <laughs> and someone saying in Latin, Liberate me, or save me. Uh, or at least that's the translation that they came up with at the time. Yes, based on the audio that they had. There might be more details to come. So save me. That's that's, uh, that's not, foreboding. I mean, they are sending out an SOS that does sort of make sense in context. Except uh, for the screaming. And the Latin. The Latin, yeah. Choice. When you hear Latin and screaming, maybe you got to yeah. take a step Latin back. Latin is, a, as we all know, the world's oldest language, and it was invented by the devil. <laughs> Never mind Aramaic. Nope. This is it. Uh, so, they pull up to dock number 13. Lucky number 13. Oh, I didn't notice that. Was it really? Mm-hmm. Oh. And they have to go on board... They extend the umbilicus. <laughs> Is that what it was called? Yeah, there was a line I wrote down specifically. We are crossing the umbilicus. <laughs> Sounds like a Harry Potter spell. And then when they removed it, was it the, the afterbirthicus was put back in the ship? Uh, uh, the placenticus? Do you want to cut this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so gross. Uh, After birth is the, I don't even want to talk about it It's just disgusting I don't want you to talk about it <laughs> I'm not going to I'm just going to say That it caused me to faint But there is uh, You know It might not be coincidental That they chose the term Umbilicus For the cord That they used to attach themselves To the larger ship I'm uh, pretty sure It's not a coincidence uh, 
so they go inside. Everything's floating. The gravity is not turned on inside the Event Horizon. Miller tells uh, Weir that he has to stay aboard the Lewis and Clark and monitor them. He doesn't want him going on board the ship yet. It's too much of an X factor. It's not safe. Uh, so his team gets on board and they immediately split up. <laughs> Odd decision. It seems to me like there's no rush. This thing has been gone for seven years. Take the extra hour to uh, search it together, or at least in groups of two. Shibby, have they gotten the life reading yet from the ship? Um, it just seems to have a general, like, pseudo life reading. Like it's, it's yeah. They it's, read the ship and they to see if they could find the uh, the crew. And instead of seeing the crew members alive, it was like the whole ship lit up. Yeah. I thought that was meaningful. Maybe not. Maybe. <laughs> Could be. Maybe. Could be. We'll see. <laughs> uh, it's funny because there was one other moment there where... Well, anyway, we'll get to it. Because to me, the idea of the ship being alive didn't really resonate. Didn't pan out. No. Uh, so, uh, they, uh, they enter this large central corridor. The event horizon is basically split into three parts. There's the gravity core drive in the back. Then there's a very long corridor... And then up front is, like, the crew's quarters and the, uh, what should we call it? Cockpit. The, the cockpit, yeah, and, uh, like, the medical bridge. All that stuff is up there. The bridge, that was the word I was looking for. The bridge, the right. The medical bay, yeah. Uh, so uh, they split up, and uh, so we got Mr. Justin, the engineer, going back to check out the gravity drive. Obviously, he's going to be curious about that. It's the future of space travel, faster than light, folding space. How exciting. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Captain Miller and uh, Peters go towards the front. Uh, they enter the med bay where it is uh, completely empty. Uh, Miller says, this place is a tomb. <laughs> and then screams out, oh, fuck me! Because he thinks a hand is touching him but it's just a floating glove uh <laughs> jump scare yeah great jump scare it's a good moment and it, it is no it's not a cheap one it's a, it's a good one yeah especially with uh Mil uh captain miller's this place is a tomb uh, fishburn sold that line so well yeah it was a great moment for him uh so Justin goes towards the gravity core drive, and on the sub hallway towards it, there's this big spinning cheese grater, like, cylinder that the, is like a <laughs> tube that he walks through. Um, it's a really fucking crazy-looking thing. It's incredible set design. Am I, am I crazy here? No, I think I I love all the set design and that particular. I didn't uh, that particular one. I didn't picture as a cheese grater, but I thought it was impressive visually. And uh, I remember watching like a bonus feature uh, on the DVD or making of on HBO, something like that, where uh, the actors were talking about walking down that hallway and it being genuinely disorienting. Really, from the way that it spun and the way the light shined through, like it wouldn't give them vertigo to walk down that hallway while it was running. Good. Yeah, and uh, and then it enters into the room that has the gravity drive, which is basically like the Hellraiser puzzle box if it was a sphere that was six feet tall. It's also like the thing that's in the basement of Thirteen Ghosts. 
Yes, and it's also uh, like Sphere from the movie Sphere. Uh, I think big spheres were kind of a thing around this era. <laughs> uh, but it was definitely a very cool-looking set design. Uh, it did have uh, three concentric rings that would be spinning around it that had lights on them. And when they lined up, it looked really cool because you had all the lights looking directly at the camera. And it was early for that for that kind of set design. Yeah, and it, it just is really effective. It looks awesome. It looks like an evil temple. Yeah, um, I'll give you that. That 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 is true. Then we get uh, Peters exploring Med Bay. Mama Bear. Mama Bear. She pulls out. Uh, oh no, she's up in the bridge. My mistake. She pulls out a little CD that has like more of recording of that distress signal, and then she bumps into a corpse that has no eyes. <laughs> That's pretty scary. Uh, and they're like, oh, did he, was it decompression? Did he decompress in deep space? And they say, no, it looks more like his eyes were ripped out of his head. Uh, <laughs> possibly by a wild animal. Uh, meanwhile, back at the gravity drive, the gravity drive has opened. Inside is a floating, mysterious black goo. Uh, Justin is drawn to this goo as though hypnotized. He then reaches in and touches the goo. And then the goo grabs him in the arm and yanks him in. His tether starts, like, flying. Everybody starts freaking out. Uh, the core... very, go very Ghostbusters 2 in the sewer. Yeah. And I think this is also, this goo is one of the f few digital effects in the movie. So, so much of this is practical effects that was done really well. And I think that's one of the reasons why this movie ages so well. Agreed. If it had been CG back then, it wouldn't have been at a level that the practical effects were. Yeah, like if you were... The fact that they had to practically build these sets make them look so much more real than like any sort of Marvel CG interior of a spaceship. Right. And, and just the way the, the light actually plays. Like, it just looks so much better. Um, where was I? Oh, yes. While Justin gets pulled into the core, the core, like, sort of burps this wall of force, um, which goes out and fucks up both the Event Horizon and the Lewis and Clark. This sort of gravitational uh, sphere of force that emanates out of it. Uh, they are now completely fucked. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Coop throws on his spacesuit and he rescues Justin. He yanks him out of uh, the gravity core. Uh, both ships are sort of exploding. Uh, there's a huge breach in the hull of the Lewis and Clark. So everyone flees to the event horizon. Smitty is especially unhappy about this. He does not want to be aboard the Event Horizon. He is smart. Ever. Yeah, he's, he is 100% correct. Uh, they are now trapped on Hellship. It is covered <laughs> in gore for some reason, probably because a lot of it is when the gravity turned back on, all the frozen dead corpses collapsed to the ground and shattered, and now they're probably thawing out, and I don't think Ew. anybody's cleaning that. <laughs> Mama Bear might. I hope she does. I mean, they eventually, as there are some dead bodies eventually lying on some of the tables in the med bay, so presumably someone collected them and put them there. That's a good point. Uh, so, 
they send out uh, Cooper and Smitty to work on uh, repairing the Lewis and Clark. Justin is catatonic. Uh, and uh, the gravity drive is turned on. Cooper insists that uh, Justin appeared out of nowhere uh, inside the core. And Weir, who at this point is starting to act a little bit funny. I'm going to start referring to Dr. Weir as Dr. Weird. Yes, please do. So at this point, Dr. Weird uh, is like, uh, the, the gravity core couldn't be on. It's not on, so that couldn't have happened. That couldn't be it. <laughs> Maybe He's it a liar. might have been light bending because, you know, of all the gravitons. Didn't he also say, like, it could just be, you know, when it gets hot or cold, metal can, you know, get bigger or smaller and rub against each other and make loud noises. Yeah, he said it was basically, it was the house settling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, it's an old house. It's, he gave the poltergeist excuses. He gave the insidious excuses. So they ask him, what the fuck is this gravity core? Before you gave us a bunch of shit that it somehow folds space and time. How does it do that? What's inside there? I need to know what the fuck is going on because I do genuinely believe that my man here saw that guy get pulled out of some sort of evil black goo. Uh, so <laughs> Weir takes them down to the gravity drive and he says, Weird. yeah, Dr. Weird uh, brings them down. And, oh, I forgot. Dr. Weird was the character from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. <laughs> God, that was a great show. It was. You introduced me to it. Uh, so, the uh, Miller or Weird explains that uh, the gravity core creates a black hole, and the black hole allows the ship to enter through another dimension and punch through that way to another point in our dimension. And uh, Miller says, "Okay, fine. Everybody out of this room. No one is allowed to touch this thing." Yes. And Good idea. Like, Weir's like, no, I want to touch it. And Miller's like, no, 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 no. Do you know why that's interesting, that it's a black hole? Why is that? Because uh, event horizon is actually a term used mm. to describe the boundaries outside of a black hole before you get into the pull. Yeah, once, once you hit the event horizon, it becomes impossible to resist, and you're inevitably pulled into the black hole. Exactly. Oof. A frightening concept in and of itself. They should yeah. make a two-hour movie that's just about people slowly being ripped apart by a black hole. <laughs> like scanners, but Get at a me, black Hollywood. hole. <laughs> uh, Are you talking to me when you say Hollywood? Yeah, I'm calling you Hollywood. That's okay. your new nickname. I know why. Because you're Hollywood. Yeah, I'm sure. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> back in the med bay... Uh, Peters sees her son in a tent on one of the tables. Uh, and then she looks at his legs and his legs are all fucked up and decay. Turns out she's hallucinating. Because he doesn't, uh, he's not on the ship. <laughs> no, he's not there. <laughs> so, but still, it scares her a lot. She does a lot of screaming. She believes that he is there in the moment. Uh, and what's interesting about the things that hell shows these people because uh, spoiler alert the ship has gone to hell uh, 
Not not in like the sense that no one's cleaned it in a while and like it's not been maintained. It's actually traveled to the to to hell, the place that Christian people believe in. So the hell, the place that's real that we all are going to, <laughs> is uh, a uh, the visions that it shows these people to torment them, all of them. It shows uh, Peter's her son who she can't be with. And it shows Miller, a guy that burns to death under his command, that he had to make that choice to leave him to die. And it, and it shows, shows Weird, his weird. wife, who he uh, ignored when she needed his help, when she was tormented and committed suicide. So it shows all of them regrets. And right. that's what hell is, in some sense, in Event Horizon. Which I think is one of the reasons why the movie has aged well, is because I think regret as something being frightening is something that occurs to you more and more as you get older. And so as the audience that gets watched older. it as kids, yeah, and liked it then, gets older, it resonates more and more. And there are also different levels of hell. I mean, it's also a Dante's Inferno kind of thing, whether it's regret, there's actual physical torture in the movie, mm-hmm. there's psychological torture, there's visual scares. I mean, there's a lot of different hellish experiences to be had on different levels it's true the movie that's another thing that that's a good point i hadn't thought of that is that it offers something scary in a lot of different ways there are lots of different types of fear that event horizon evokes and so it it's it's not just jump scares it's not Not just just ripping your eyes out it's like uh you'll see your kid die you know i mean that's horrible i mean i'd rather get my eyes ripped out yeah to have it has a lot of tricks that it that it uses and they're all they're all done pretty good the next see the next part the next scary thing that happens is a type of fear of uh, dread in that they find a more complete version of the ship's log uh, and they uh start playing it <laughs> and it's uh the captain who's like well we're about to engage the gravity core on to the future a brave <laughs> new day and then he says something in Latin, uh, and he flips the switch, and instantly everyone is screaming, and it sounds like hell. Like, <laughs> you don't even, like, hear the drive warm up. You don't hear, like, everyone be like, hey, what's going on? What happened to the lights? It's no. Instantly, everyone is screaming and being tortured. Uh, at that it's point, a very efficient drive. Yes, it it is a fucking rocket ship to hell. Except even <laughs> more efficient than a rocket ship. You are just <laughs> teleported directly into the worst experience you could ever imagine. And everyone watch, is watching this video and was like, oh shit. What's your worst experience? Um, not like personal horribleness, but just like an embarrassing experience like a, a, that you w- would be part of hell for you, but not like one of the worst ones, just something that would appear in hell for you that you'd be like, oh my, I remember that. Oh, oh like, a, like a regret that they would torture me with? Yeah. When I was in hell? Um, it would probably be me being mean to somebody. Yep. And they would, uh, I would uh, watch them stab themselves in the neck. Because I had hurt their feelings. Oh, I I thought you were mean to them, and then it would, and then you'd be like, "Ha ha! I made you do that." I was like, "Why would you want that to happen?" No, no. 
Oh, it would be you being mean and then seeing the consequences and feeling the guilt. Yes. Oh, that's that's horrible. That's a good hell thing. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. I so thank God. Okay, I'm gonna stop thinking about that and start thinking about. Mine would be just seeing my family get hurt. Ugh. It wouldn't even be me being tortured. It would be like me seeing people I love being hurt, like you or my mom or like my daughter. Like, oh God forbid. But I mean, like, Ugh. that's that's what hell is for me. Well, luckily. And drowning. And uh, yeah, there's no hell. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy with idea. that. Yeah, we just disappear forever, and it's like we never existed, and no one remembers us. Well, someday you'll all roll to Jerusalem, won't you? Oh, yes, yes, with the Moshiach. Yeah, so there, you got that to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, I'll be looking forward to that. <laughs> In my unconscious death state. <laughs> Whatever that, Whatever's going to be happening there, yeah. you'll be a part of it. <laughs> I have a friend who had a chat with death about his, with his six-year-old the other day, and he goes, he was, he's British, and he, he was like, do you remember what it was like not to be alive yet? And the kid goes, no. He goes, it's like that. <laughs> I go, I don't think that's the best way to, you know. No, that certainly sounds horrifying. I go, you just gave them this big existential, like, fear that they're going to always have. I was like, I don't know if you should. <laughs> yeah, not, but that's but that's a British guy. Yeah, takes all types. Yep. Uh, so... Shout outs to Matt Huskinson. Go, go ahead. <laughs> Justin starts convulsing uh, and talking about the dark, the dark that's inside of him. Uh, so that's pretty scary stuff. Uh, meanwhile, the hearts of men. Uh, what's his face? Dr. Weird is uh, crawling through a green motherboard tunnel. <laughs> it's like glowing green and it all looks like motherboards. It's pretty cool looking. It is. And uh, at one point they do the classic zoom and truck trick. The same What's that? Thing. Like they'll either zoom in and truck out or uh. truck in and zoom out. And it'll like uh, make the distance between the foreground and the background seem to change. Oh, so that's it can cool. make it seem like the world is closing in on you or like suddenly you're very small in a very big world. Which uh, one do they do? Make him seem small or like the world was closing in? I can't remember. Okay, uh, but they use that trick. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a, a classic practical camera trick used most famously in uh, Jaws. Uh, they do a shot of Roy Scheider using that trick, and it uh, it's great. Okay, very cool. So, yeah, same horror trick being used in a, in a different effect to suddenly ratchet up the tension in a very subtle way. Effectively. Uh, yeah. And then we get uh, Dr. Weird's great line, Captain Miller! <laughs> I've got some problems here! <laughs> My dead wife! Because his dead wife just shows up. And, <laughs> Again. Yeah, and she's still got no eyes. and still got her tits out. Is she nagging still? No, she's like, You can join me and I still love you. Love me here in, in this horrible nightmare place. I wonder if Nicole, my girlfriend, died, if she would just still nag me or say weird stuff like hell stuff like that, or if she'd still be like, you put the peanut butter top on my pre-workout. Pay attention to what you're doing. Well, <laughs> I guess whichever would torment you the most if you were that. Yeah, that. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Yep. Uh, at that point, uh, yeah, weird crawls out of the tunnel. 
and uh, Miller is in the room with the gravity drive, which apparently catches fire, and then he sees a man on fire walking towards him saying, you could have saved me. Um, and that's the dude that Miller had let burn. He'll tell that story in a couple scenes, and it's a great monologue. Yeah. Um, Seriously. Yeah. So they all uh, go back to uh, the med bay where they were, or whatever, they were hanging out in some third room that was like a lounge or something, or maybe it was where the uh, gravity chambers were. Uh, but they're all sort of hanging out, uh, being like, I hallucinated that I saw a guy that was on fire. And I hallucinated my dead son sitting on that table with his legs rotting. And they're like, but these weren't hallucinations. I could feel the heat from the flames. What is going on here, doctor? You need to explain what is happening. And he's like, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It's just a weird situation. He's like, I need more time to understand. Yeah, that's the one thing we don't, don't have. have. Dr. Weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know so, what this needed? This needed a cyborg like uh, Jason X. Yeah. They're, they sh- they should have had a robot cyborg. Like, what do you think, R- Rapatron? <laughs> he also raps. What I'm thinking today in a major way. <laughs> yeah, just really steal Cooper's thunder. Cooper would always be looking over him like, damn it. I was about to rap. You I'm going to be quiet now. How can I compete with him? He's a I'm going to have to learn sound effects like the guy from Police Academy. They should have had him doing those. <laughs> they should have just had the guy from Police Academy. Yeah. Oh, man. Did you ever see his stand-up special? Was it just sounds? Okay. It is really weird, and you can you can definitely tell that he is neurodivergent in some way. Yeah. And these sound effects, he has studied them with the hyper focus of someone on that who is neurodivergent yeah yeah and that and it also is like 50 percent stand-up performance 50 percent like footage of him just walking around and then <laughs> like going to the rock and roll hall of fame and trying on Jimi hendrix's vest <gasps> this is awesome i would love to do that and he's like well, well this is what Jimmy would sound like, and he was here, and then he does a Jimi Hendrix impression, and then he does like an impression of him playing guitar, and you're like, oh shit, it's Michael Winslow. But the thing is, he is not fucking funny at all. No, he's not a funny guy, but he has he has a very spe- uh, specific talent. That- no, he's very good at imitating noises with his mouth. He is not fucking funny. It is a brutal 50 minutes. Why didn't he just make it, why didn't someone write comedy and, and have his, you know, why didn't he have someone write it for him, someone funny, and, and just have him do his, his sounds? Yeah, he, what he needed was a partner. He should yeah. have been part of a duo. That's true. Shibble and Michael Winslow. Yeah. Reach out, Michael. The Winslow brothers. It's time for your next Shibble act. and Michael. Yeah, I'm also your brother. That's Hello, Michael. Michael, I'm Shibble. I think I see a lawn. A, a, uh, a, what is that thing that waters lawns? 
a sprinkler. Oh, and what's that above us? A helicopter? <laughs> oh, the police are arriving. Oh, no, it's Dr. Weird. So, so yeah, you can see. Anyway, speaking of Dr. Weird, everybody here at this point is freaking out. Uh, Smitty attacks Dr. Weird, uh, and they try to break them up. And at one point, uh, DJ, the doctor, takes a scalpel and holds it up to Smitty's throat to get him to stop fighting. And being like, you need to calm the fuck down because this ship is not haunted. We are not on a haunted fucking spaceship right now. And I'm not going to think about this place being fucking haunted because it's not haunted. What an Elm Street parent. Yeah, but you can also tell that for this, it's like specifically because he is so freaked out. Yeah, he's scared. He's in denial. Yeah. He's like, I can't. If I admit to myself that I am on a haunted spaceship, I am not going to be able to get through this. Yeah. So Miller just grabs Smitty and says, listen. I need you to get back out there with Cooper and finish packing up the patching up the Lewis and Clark. No mistakes, mistakes, and nobody goes home. Uh, so the XO pulls Miller aside and says that she thinks what's happening is some sort of immune reaction to the crew <laughs> because the ship is alive. Which, like, I don't know, like it doesn't have any like organs or anything. To me, it was not so much biologically alive as it was spiritually alive. Yeah, this was a major sticking point, uh, I think, for both of us. The concept of the ship being alive and showing, like, having it light up on that, when they were measuring it for life for whatever heat signature, I mean, that doesn't play out. There is nothing, it's not alive. No, yeah, no. It's not sen- it may be sentient, but it's not alive. Yeah, but we also don't get to see it, like, having any sort of will. Like, it doesn't really, like, like maliciously close doors. Or right. Anything. It, you know, I think it's, it's fair to say that. But I think spiritually alive, I think maybe. Like, maybe it's has Do you think it's sentient? Sentience. Or maybe even not. Maybe it is evil and alive, but not sentient. And, and spiritual, you know what I mean, like a like an evil spiritual amoeba. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, like it's like that maybe. Yeah, it's a spiritual it, it's amoeba sort of, ship. Yeah, that is, that's like a piece of hell that it's taken back from hell with it. Right, I like that. Or or I think of it as like a a, a virus, like almost like it was infected by hell. Mm. Yeah. And that's what and I think that's what happens to Dr. Weird. Yeah, uh, but it turns out and also what's kind of funny about this is that it makes hell a literal place. Yeah. Because it's never like, oh, we went to an evil hell-like dimension. That's never the vibe that you get. No, it's, it's hell. It's always like, no, this is actually literally hell. The one we talk this about, like H-E hell. Double hockey sticks. Like the devil was there. Yeah, like if you had looked around, you would have seen dead people that you hate, like Hitler. Yeah, you would have. You could have found Hitler. You could have gotten his autograph. Helen Keller, Hitler, Attila the Hun, uh, Rachmaninoff, Jeffrey Dahmer, probably. You hate him. I don't hate him, but he was he's very ill. In hell. 
I think God fixed his mental illness and now he's in heaven and he's and he doesn't eat people. I hope so, but maybe not. He probably deserves hell. It's you know what. I, How about I'm you know what I think? I think the problem with Christian hell is that it's forever. I think that if if I think that what what should happen is Jeffrey Dahmer should go down there, have you know, have his brains eaten, tortured a little bit, and then God can fix his mental illness that made him want to eat people and straighten out his brain, and then he can go to heaven and be normal. It's true. It's and be the person he was meant to be. You know, the real Jeffrey Dahmer who wouldn't have been sick and might have been productive person yeah. in society. You know, like the, he never got a chance to be that. It's true. Uh, and that's yeah. sad in a way. No, and in, in internal eternal suffering is definitely a very, very high punishment. It is. It is really hard to think of something that would be worse. Except perhaps literal actual death. Yeah. I what would you rather have? Hell or no hell? Uh hell. Yeah, I would rather exist than not exist. And you know what else I, I heard was the idea that uh you know, we're all suffering every day while we're alive, but we at least believe that we can do something to change it. And, uh, but also, like, we feel like constant failures because we don't. Whereas <laughs> in hell, you never have the illusion that you can fix it. You're like, oh, I'm just in hell. I'm just. Oh, things aren't going to get better. It's okay. They're the yeah, best they can be. At least this isn't my fault anymore. Like, nothing I can do now. You could just be like, this is the best things are going to get. So things are going pretty well. Yeah. Hey, this is it. You know, yeah. 500, you know, rods, up, you know, like hot rods in my ass. Could have been 600. You know, you can look at it that way. Yeah. And then it is 600. But then you think, oh, it could be. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's anyway. a good point. Justin has disappeared. Oh, no. Uh, then they find him in an airlock. He's going to eject himself. He has a blank, creepy stare, and he says, the dark inside me uh, is from the other place, Uh, and then he activates the outer door of the airlock, and he wakes up, and he's himself again, and he's like, oh, shit, what's happening? How did I get to be in an airlock? Somebody save me. (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, uh, so, oh, yeah, Uh, so the room he's in starts to decompress. Miller is racing. Uh, he was outside checking the repairs on the Lewis and Clark, so he's already outside in space. So he's racing to go grab him. Uh, the room that Justin is in has begun to decompress. Blood has started erupting out of his eyes. Uh, his veins are exploding. Uh, Miller... You know what that reminds me of? Anaconda. Can you do um, John Voight saying your veins explode? Yeah. Then... You have the power of the embrace <laughs> causes your veins to explode. <laughs> Doesn't he say like your lover, like it yeah. wraps you Call up? your tighter than your true love. <laughs> that is such a dead on impression. Too bad he's such a weirdo. Yeah, he really sucks. He uh, sucks. He's so, a bad father too. Uh, Miller grabs him in deep space as he's slowly erupting into uh, the vacuum of nothingness. <laughs> and they hurtle back into the airlock. They close it back up. Justin is alive, but he's definitely fucked up. And this, to me, is a classic sequence from this movie. It's so scary. 
It's so effective, and it's like the only time you've ever seen this. Yeah. I can't think of another movie where I see this. Can you? Not one. I think it's amazing. Yeah, and it's one of the ones that always sticks out with me, and it's such like a, a difficult concept to put on film, I think, and to translate, but I think it does it really effectively. I love that scene. The, the closest thing is scanners. And I think also it's like uh, something that anyone who like read about space when they were a kid, that was something that you always like were curious about. Like what would it be like if you were out in the vacuum of space? Yeah, I, yeah you definitely always think about that when you're a kid. That's true. Yeah. If you yeah. took off the mask, what would happen in yeah, your head? Would, would your fucking head explode and get yeah. sucked out of the neck? Would you get stretched out like a million miles? Yeah. <laughs> Would you just instantly vaporize as you get ripped into every direction? My dad can beat up your dad? Do you think do you think Kelly would go with me to the spring fling? Oh my god, Shebel, I have to tell you something. What's that? My dad's having surgery Friday. Oh my god, what's going on? Everything okay? He's having a disc uh, removed from his back. It's it's there's like pressure on a disc and a mm. nerve. It's a lot of nerve pain. So everybody Think good thoughts for uh, my daddy. Yeah, prayers up. Okay, so back to uh, this uh, hellish uh, story. So uh, Justin gets wheeled into one of the gravity pods where they put him into a medically induced coma. So hopefully he can rest and feel better. Prayers up for Justin, too, while we're at it. (laughs) I'm sorry, inappropriate. I I thought it was funny. (laughs) Uh, Miller hears a dude just saying, don't leave me over and over again. It's the voice of the guy that was set on fire. Uh, then Miller tells uh, DJ, he has this great monologue about, you know, I was on the, the crew of the... Goliath. The Goliath. And uh, things went sideways and we had to get out of there. And we had to leave a guy behind and he caught on fire. Have you ever seen fire in zero G? It's beautiful. It it's rolls like all over liquid. everything. It's and then wave after wave kept hitting him, and I did the only thing I could. I closed the airlock and left him there. Yeah, just a great monologue. And you did a great job. Oh, I'm just, I don't even know if that was close, but it was, it was something to that close. effect. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and it was just a, a great scene. And that's when they both, and he says, you know what? I never told anyone that story. And somehow this ship was able to reach into my mind and like manifest that. Fuck this. We need to get out of here. (laughs) And Doc is like, yeah, because check this out. I cleaned up that audio on that clip that we had before (laughs) and the translation. Uh, I was a little bit off. Uh, He didn't say liberate me. He Which says, is help me. Liberate tuteme ex inferis. Save yourself from hell. And then he shows a clip of the video, which he's also cleaned up, and it's just a guy holding out his eyes in his hands, <laughs> which he's ripped out of his own head. And yeah, Miller's like, yeah, you know what? We're done. We're done. Yep. That's the end of them wanting to be on the ship right there. That's, that's the turning point, I believe. Yeah, at this point, uh, Cooper, who has been uh, welding the outside of a spaceship in zero gravity for 18 hours straight. <laughs> That's him welding. 
Yeah, he is uh, a fucking badass dude. I'll give him that. Because that was no small amount of manual labor that he had been doing. Yeah. So, big ups to the real hero of the story, Cooper. Cooper. Uh, and, yeah, Miller tells everyone, you know what? We're leaving. We're getting off this ship. Get everybody back onto the Lewis and Clark. We're getting out of here. Take, take, some, take whatever records you can find, and we're done. And... Uh, uh, Dr. Weird at this point seems pretty weird. He's like, uh, but Captain Miller, you can't leave the ship. It's, it's really, it's great here. The ship is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Miller says uh, specifically in another classic line from the film, fuck this ship. <laughs> is that when he goes also, does he goes, we're going home and Weird goes, I am home. Yeah. And he like backs off into the darkness. Yeah. The weird backward steps into the shadows. Yeah. Just completely (laughs) disappears in a shadow. And, but what's so good about Miller saying, fuck this ship is like, that's what you always want someone to say when you're watching a haunted house movie. Because you would say that. That's what you're feeling. Just fuck this house. Just fucking burn this house down. Let's get the fuck out of here. And that's what Miller wants to do. I mean, he wants to destroy the ship. It's so gratifying to see that actually done. Because that's what you're thinking as an audience member, and he's vocalizing it, so verbalizing it. And and, uh, and instead of being like, we need, no, we can't leave it behind. No, there's no such thing as ghosts. No, we, all the stuff here is too valuable. Just, no, everyone's just like, fuck this. No, we're leaving. No, we've got a mission. No, it's our duty. No, fuck this, we're leaving. Yeah, it's one of the only horror movies where everyone agrees, except for the villain. The guy that's possessed, yeah. The guy that's possessed. I mean, everyone agrees. They're like, nope, we're not going to explore this. We're not going to get to the bottom of it. We're going to leave. Yeah. We've looked, I've seen enough. I'm calling it. Yep. Whatever I mean, what other horror here? movie? What other horror movie does that happen in? Yeah, I can't think of one. And yeah. Oh, and then that last scene, I forgot the last part that was really good. After Miller had that monologue and then they watched the hell tape. And the doctor's like, I think the ship has been to hell. <laughs> and Miller's like, but you don't believe in stuff like that. And DJ says, whoever's on that tape believes in hell. Because <laughs> he ripped out his own eyeballs and he's holding them out. Yeah. And it's talking to us in Latin. <laughs> yeah. And by the so, way, this is in 2047. So it's even a deader language than it was. Yeah. So, yeah, Miller is definitely just like, whatever it is was here, hell, no hell. It was fucking bad enough for me. Let's just get out of here. <laughs> Something's wrong. Yeah. Whatever this is, I don't want it. <laughs> uh, so they go and get uh, some of the CO2 scrubbers. They need CO2 scrubbers so that they can breathe. Uh, and they're packing them up. They're getting them out of the room in the warp core. For some reason, they're kept in that same room. Almost all the engineering stuff happens in, based around that one temple-like room. Uh, but as they go to leave, uh, Peters turns around and sees her sick son running around. And so she's like, oh, I better go track down my sick son. And by her sick son, who's on Earth, you mean a vision of her sick son. Yeah, yeah, but boy, so real. Uh, <laughs> so she climbs up a ladder, and then she falls down a pit and dies. Uh, <laughs> we- <laughs> uh, weird comes back into the core. 
momentarily he she he sees Peters and he sort of snaps at him. He's like, "Oh shit, Peters, what happened?" But then he starts hallucinating his dead wife again, and he's just fucking gone. His dead wife uh, in the hallucination starts ripping out his eyes. But then we cut to the core, and he's actually ripping out his own eyes. And then, uh, without any eyes, he has managed to grab some of the explosives from the corridor of the Event Horizon and place them aboard the Lewis and Clark. Where we're going, you don't need eyes to see. It's true. Because he wants to go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems horrible there. Uh, I mean, even if I don't need him, can I keep him? Uh, I think I said Helen Keller when I was listing people in hell. I didn't mean to say her. You did, and I was like, I don't know, maybe she got canceled. No, no, I don't know why. I think I mentioned her before Attila the Hun. You did, and I was like, well, I guess maybe... No, that was bizarre. No, she's not in hell. I take that back. I don't think she's in hell unless she was up to something that I didn't know about. (laughs) That was very strange. Yeah, I I genuinely thought there was just some Helen Keller news that I hadn't heard. Like she's or a all, joke or something. No, me. it was really just a weird mistake. Okay, glad we cleared the air on that one. Yeah, Cooper yeah. gets blown into deep space. Smitty dies. The Lewis and Clark dies. R.I.P. The Lewis and Clark and Smitty. Miller is very upset. <laughs> uh, Cooper is also very upset as he is floating out in deep space crying out, why does this shit have to happen to me? Classic Cooper, am I right? Well, you know, I mean, Miller is extra upset because he swore to himself he would never lose another crew member after he lost that guy in the fire. Yeah. And now yeah. he's losing them left and right. Yeah, and he lost his ship. Yeah, so he's lost, I mean, he's losing everything. It's breaking him down, this event horizon. That's what it's doing. Yeah, it, it, he's taking a lot of L's. Yeah. Uh, he. It's weakening yeah. him. Because I think it's weakening him because it wants him to be the captain. I mean, I'd want him to be the captain. He's fucking great. That, no, I really, that's my theory. I think it wants him to be the new captain. Yeah, I, I think that's a good one. Thank you. Um, so, Miller uh, then gets DJ on the horn and he's like, listen, uh, Dr. Weird has gone <laughs> space loco. If you see him, kill him. And DJ's like, no problem. And then Miller in, er, uh, Weird instantly kills him. <laughs> and, a second uh, later, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll handle Weird. And he turns around and Weird kills him. Yeah, just grabs him by the throat and chokes him out and then vivisects him. <laughs> Miller finds him hanging from the ceiling with all his guts falling onto a table. That was a pretty brutal scene. Yeah, it was very much reminded me of like something you'd see on Hannibal. Yeah. That's a good point. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Miller grabs the space or the gun. Exorcist two. Yeah. Or three, excuse me, Exorcist three, the one in the hospital. Mm, or uh, the Omen starring Sam Neill. Yeah. Final, <laughs> final conflict. Final conflict. Classic. Uh, <laughs> so Miller grabs the space nail gun, which I thought <coughs> I wrote down like that's an iconic weapon. Him with that space nail gun. But then I realized he doesn't even actually ever use it. But just for that one second where you see him having this space nail gun, you're like, that's pretty badass. If there had been an iconic, if there had been an iconic villain and he had carried that nail gun more often and killed a bunch of them, that might have been a thing. Yeah. 
then he finds his XO, Stark. Stark is alive. Uh, then we see uh, Miller. Oh, yeah. Miller and uh, Weird are both on the bridge. Uh, while Miller was saving Stark, uh, Weird grabbed the nail gun. And then he has his classic line, where we're going, we don't need eyes to see. We're uh, going to a dimension of pure chaos. And then he goes, pure in, case, evil. in case you don't get it, we're going uh, to hell. It's going to be just terrible there. Yeah, because it's going to be like, it's going to be hell. It's going to feel bad. <laughs> Hitler will be there. That's and the Helen kind Keller. of guy. The real Helen Keller types. <laughs> and they won't, they won't have eyes either. <laughs> and they also won't need ears to hear. <laughs> Where we're going, you don't need eyes or ears. It's just you're going to feel bad. It's mostly going to be pain. Uh, you can touch things. At that point, uh, Cooper has launched himself using his oxygen tank as a rocket uh, back onto the bridge of the event horizon. But he's outside. <laughs> Weir sees him, or scare quotes, sees him, and shoots with the uh, nail gun, blowing out the window of the event horizon. The front windscreen is now shattered. You're going to have to call uh, Safe Light. Safe Light repair, Safe Light replace. Not paid for by Safe Light, but if you want to get me like a free coupon or something i'd love to hang on to it we'll do that once a show for just a free window thing yeah i don't care or a uh, hat yeah send us a cool hat yeah a safe light hat i'll wear it <laughs> get me one that says safe light safe light repair and get shovel one that says safe light replace and we'll wear them together on the show absolutely we'll post that to every social we've got safe light get at us <laughs> Uh, so, uh, the core is now on fire. The ship is filling with blood. <laughs> uh, a oh, weird gets sucked into outer space. Uh, Miller is, uh, about to leave, uh, or has ought to leave Stark behind. She's about to get sucked out, but he reaches back and saves her cause he's not leaving anyone behind anymore. Except this- the people who have already died. No. But he's still not giving up. He's still going to save every damn crew member he can. Right. He's going to do everything in his power. And so he doesn't leave her behind, and he pulls her up as the airlock closes behind her. Uh, You know what that reminded me of? What? Indiana Jones, where he's reaching for the grail, and his dad's holding him over the chasm. And he goes, Junior, Junior. And he won't listen. He's reaching for the grail. And he goes, Indiana. And he turns around and grabs his dad's hand. And he lifts him up. That made me cry. Let it go. Let it, that's it. Aw, that was let so sweet. Go. Let just I let it go. It. I can reach it. That yeah. that that moment is as good as the one in Karate Kid where um, Pat Morita goes, uh, uh, "Is okay, lose, just no lose to fear." You know that one. Yeah, yeah. Those are great father figure moments. Yeah. Okay, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no problem. And indeed, this is a great father figure moment for Miller. This was a great hero moment for him, I put in my notes. Oh. 
uh, Cooper comes back through the airlock. And I think this is also part of, well, what differentiates Cooper or uh, Miller from being a final girl in terms of horror movie tropes in that he effectively saves people. Yes. A final girl is always just witness and then escape. And there's no sacrifice involved. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Cooper comes back. He's found his way over to an airlock. Uh, the core is on fire. Uh, Miller tells uh, Cooper and uh, Stark to get to the bridge, take Justin, and detach from the core. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to blow up the core. I'm not going to be back with you guys. And they're like, okay. Thank you, Captain. Good luck. Yeah, they don't even say, like, no, don't do They're like, oh, all right. No, that's someone has to blow that thing up because it's going to open up a gateway to hell. And we all know that it's real. What you're doing is important. Thank you. <laughs> and we don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. We have, we're not going to draw straws. We don't have time. You're the captain. We're following orders. Good luck, sir. <laughs> Best wishes. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah, hey. We'll tell everyone... You're you're great. <laughs> you you're a real stand-up guy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Miller is then attacked by the dude that he let burn. Miller's like, I know you're not him. I saw that guy die. That guy's dead. So you're not him. And then it morphs into Doctor Weird. Now Doctor Weird has gotten even weirder. He is now uh, bald, nude, and covered in gashes. He looks like a Cenobite. Yes, he looks like he has been to hell and is loving it. <laughs> uh, and he has a great nude fight scene with Captain Miller. <laughs> he has super hell strength, which gives him a slight advantage, and he's nude, which I'm sure would be distracting. <laughs> Did you ever see uh, the movie Eastern Promises? No, but I've heard it's excellent. It is, and in it, Vigo Mortensen has a knife fight scene where he is completely nude and hanging dong. And it's <laughs> the most intense fight scene I've ever seen in my life. Cause that he, sounds he cool. looks so vulnerable cause he's getting fucking cut up with knives and his fucking dong is hanging out and you're like, Oh shit, they're going to fuck him up. Somebody's got to cut off his dong. <laughs> like it, it just, it emphasizes his vulnerability. Yeah. yeah of course. When your dong's out, you're completely vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, so, he uh take that flashers yeah so the core is set to open the uh gateway to hell and miller is uh knocked down by the fighting ways of old dr weird but he grabs the detonator for the explosives that he's brought with him Dr. Weird hasn't notices, and he says, Do you see? And uh, then Miller says, Yes, I see. And blows them both up. He has stopped the gateway from hell to opening. The bridge has successfully detached as a lifeboat. We get a cut to 56 days later. Or 72 days later. They are uh, rescued. Cooper, Stark, and a very mangled Justin 
Wait, are Peters. Uh, picked up by a lifeboat. Isn't oh no, Stark, you're right. Yeah. Uh as she gets out, uh Stark is picked up by one of the rescue men who removes his mask and oh it's Dr. Weird for a final jump scare. <laughs> but it's not him. But is the bridge also part of the hell ship? Who can say? Even without the event horizon, is it still just a tiny droplet of hell? Who can say? Credits roll, and then we get Smack My Bitch Up by Prodigy in a great needle drop at the end of the film. Uh, Smack five stars. my bitch up. I have a question. Yes. Did Dr. Weird go on this trip because oh, sorry, he... sorry, it was, oh my God, that's some funky shit. <laughs> Did Dr. Weird go on this trip... Because he wanted to go to the Event Horizon and this was his plan all along or did it become his plan or did it end up his plan? At what point did he become uh, aligned with the ship? I think the nightmare that he had at the beginning of his dead wife was the very first that was the Event Horizon's influence. The same way it had sent out a distress signal, it had sent out this sort of psychic distress. Oh, okay. And that was beginning, that was like the first domino. Oh, so At that was like... he had lost his free will, I'm going to say, after he had a problem here in the tunnel with his wife. So it was like the street, three stages of demonic possession that, that Ed and Lorraine always talk, like oppression and possession, all that stuff. So sure, it was, it was, a, it was a, it was like a uh, progression for Weir to become this monster. But in the beginning, he really was normal. It's not like he had these malevolent plans. Yeah, I don't think when he built the gravity drive that he knew it was going to open a gateway to hell. You know? No, no, I just meant at, after the first trip, if he had, you know, like from the beginning of the movie, from the start. No, I, I don't think so. I think it. I think you see him progress, and I think Sam Neill sells that pretty well. Yeah. I think the definitely by the end of the film, he's a much more evil dude than he was at the beginning of the film. He wasn't wearing a mask or anything at the beginning of the film. I, I, I agree with that. I just wanted to get your opinion. I, I like that. That that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, well, that that is Event Horizon. Would you like two fun trivia facts about it to end up with? Uh, yes. Uh, well, and then I'd, I've got a couple of final thoughts. Because oh, your, no, of your, course, your before trivia. final thoughts. I mean, we have final thoughts, but yeah. two quick trivia uh, points on this. It was announced, you know, because there's missing footage here, and I told you we'd get to it. It was announced in 2012 that producer Lloyd Levin of Irish Descent had found a VHS tape that might contain a full version of the film. Mm. Paul Anderson revealed in 2017, five years later, that neither he nor Eleven had seen it yet, as they have both been too busy to be in the same country with a VHS player at once. Although he <laughs> believes that the condition of the copy will be too poor to use, Anderson has stated he is still excited to see what's on it. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Oh, I would. I would. I would watch that in any condition. I would buy that and watch it on on demand in a second. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then the second uh, trivia is. The model of the Event Horizon includes a complete X-Wing from Star Wars as part of the antenna array. 
The model is visible in the lower portion of the horizon during the first flyby by the Lewis and Clark. Fun. A lot of fun. I, mean, I like the little references to Star Wars here and there. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't <laughs> obtrusive. You could easily not notice it. I didn't yeah. notice it even when I was looking for it. Yeah, me neither. Shibby, give me your final thoughts on this brilliant film, Event Horizon. Well, when we were talking about it before uh, we watched it, uh, you told me that you wanted me to think about why I thought it had aged so well. Yeah, you told me it had aged better than almost any, if not all, other 90s horror movies. And I agreed, but I didn't understand why. And I asked you to think about that and maybe try and explain to myself and the audience. And could you try? Yeah, I think it... The first thing that obviously you don't want to overlook is that it's very good yeah you know it's it's well made the cast all did great performances it looks great um i think in terms of science fiction it kept it just forward enough that it seemed uh possible and realistic but not so forward that it was unrecognizable and it also we've haven't surpassed it yet Right. You know what I mean? It's not like... Uh, so I think the, the level of technology continues to be relevant in terms of speculative fiction. I think the only thing that, that's in there that represents a future that I didn't buy was paper pornography. <laughs> but, you know... How about the fact else, that they were still smoking cigarettes in 2047? I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> oh, I... I don't think that, that'll be super popular on spaceships in 2047. We'll see. <laughs> Hopefully. And, you know, like, other than, yeah, some of the dates being kind of silly. You know. 2015, we yeah. have our first colony on Mars. But, you know, that's fun. You can overlook that. Yeah. I think it, it's it's remained, yeah, relevant in terms of speculative fiction that way. And I think, like I said, about the, the theme of regret becoming more and more resonant as you age. Mm. And I think also, unlike a lot of other 90s horror films, uh, I think of 90s horror films, I think mostly of like teen slashers. Yeah. And those feel so dated to specific moments in time, you know, just in terms of, of the look, the costumery, the, the, the soundtrack. You know, they, they are always very evocative of their own moment. The beats, the tropes. Yeah, they, and, and some of those things don't age as well as others, you know. Uh, someone being like, what's a cell phone? You know, shit like that. <laughs> Just sort of takes you back a little bit. Like, here's how you email. Uh, <laughs> you know, it doesn't have any of that. Uh, so I think... And so that. How about the set? Do you relevant. think the set design also contributes? I think so. In that, I think as we approach the future, the that this sort of envisions that sort of age of technological era, we see more and more that it is working class stuff that's in these fields. Like it's not always going to be the finest of the finest it's going to be some junky stuff getting out there it's going to be your average joe doing these sort of things yeah and so that were you know unimaginable to previous generations 
Kind of like how on airplanes you used to wear your best clothes and rich people would do it, and now you wear sweatpants and uh, get COVID. Yeah, exactly. Well, Sybil, I really appreciate you taking some time to think about that. I think that that was enlightening, and I, I do appreciate it. Oh, sure. Do you have any final thoughts? My final thoughts were that this one is one that I can watch again and again. And I, mm. I, I love movies like that. You know, you put a, put a year or two in between watching, and, and it's like you haven't seen it before. It's always a lot of fun. This movie mm. is fun, first and foremost. It's scary if you haven't seen it. You gotta see it if you haven't seen it. But if you have, you still take something away each time. And the performances are so clean that you can't help but to admire it as a film, even if you've already enjoyed it before. So in that sense, I don't think you can fault it in many ways. I mean, it's just an excellent film. I don't think it's Candyman. I mean, that I could watch infinite times, but... I think it's absolutely a classic horror movie and uh, one of the best from its decade. And and I'm going to say definitely the best from Paul W.S. Anderson, who has a very interesting filmography. Uh, you know, he directed the, I think before this, was uh, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, Mortal Kombat 95, right? And then he followed this up with Soldier. Uh, with, with, so, with Mario Van Peebles? No, with uh, with Kurt Russell. Oh, okay. I was thinking uh, of Solo. My fault. Yeah. And then he did uh, da, 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 the Resident Evils with his wife Mila Jovovich. He's married to Mila Jovovich. Yeah. Oh, he's so talented that he got Mila Jovovich. That's awesome. Yeah, he's just yeah. He's got a very fun filmography. Lots of great stuff to check out. Do you know what they offered him? But to uh, me, this was his best. Do you know what they offered him instead of doing this that he turned down? What's that? X-Men. Mm. And he said yeah. he wanted to do this instead. I think he was right. I think this is a better movie. And that's what, um, I forget, it wasn't Gerard Butler, but it was some famous actor told him, you're going to be glad, you're going to be happier doing this in 10 years than doing that. I think that might have been Kurt Russell. In, yeah, I think I think uh, you may be Universal right. Universal Soldier. Yeah. Yeah, well, so I and I think I think that's correct. I think that this is a, a far more moving picture and one uh, that's more significant in film. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's yeah. Enough, enough praise. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for subscribing to the Patreon. Uh, I think we've got our next franchise coming up. I've got a couple of candidates. I'm thinking. Maybe Sleepaway Camp. Ooh. Maybe uh, Leprechaun. Oh. So we'll see. We'll see. A lot but, of bangers to, to pick from. Yeah, it's true. We've we've just barely scratched the surface. We so could do Phantasm so again. Oh, I'd love to watch Phantasm again. <laughs> but until next time. <gasps> don't, don't get, get spooked. spooked.